Uh, We are beginning our last sermon series in the letter to the Colossians. Can you believe that? It's only been a year. Not quite. It's been eight months. uh, And we are getting into the last uh, few verses of the letter of Paul to the Colossian church. And I've entitled this series Teamwork uh, because as we are looking at the last uh, verses, as we are looking at verses 7 through 18, uh, we see a list of 11 names, 11 names uh, that uh, you and I uh, sometimes don't pay a lot of attention to. Uh, my wife and I were, uh, celebrated our third anniversary on the 19th, and we went out to dinner. And then after that, we went home and we watched a movie. Uh, and we, we loved the movie. It was great. And as you, as you, you zoom in, it's so cinematic. There's all these great scenes, all these great actors, and, and there's all this stuff happening. Uh, and when it gets to the end, uh, you roll the credits. Uh, and before uh, you see the fifth name pop up, you hit the power button and you turn it off. Right? When we get to the end of uh, the movie, uh, like we're to the end of this letter, uh, we often kind of read through it or turn it off and disregard it because, you know, I saw the movie, I don't need to know who made it. Uh, but if you don't realize the work that it took to make it happen, and if you don't look at these names and how influential people uh, and faithful people are the reason that the movie that we watched was able to happen, uh, you really miss uh, a lot of the uh, understanding of the movie. You know, who, who scored the movie? That, that may tell you a whole lot about why certain instruments were played and why certain songs were, were, were directed. Uh, depending on who the director and the co-director were or the main character, depends on a lot of the mood of, of the movie. Uh, I don't want to overstate too much, but you get the point. When you get to the credits of the movie, it's really important to know who was a part of this movie. It's really important to understand, hey, here's why the movie went this way, because these people were involved. Well, when you get into the last few verses of, of Colossians, you see the same thing. Right? You see these people who were involved in the ministry of Paul to the Gentiles. Uh, and if you don't take a moment to look at these names and look at these people, you really miss out on the teamwork that it took uh, for the Gentile community and for the Gentile world to be reached with the gospel of Jesus. Because if you remember, uh, Paul is in prison right now in Rome. Okay? So you can at least go this far to say if it weren't for the team here, Paul's not sending letters anywhere. Right? Paul can write a whole bunch of letters and they stay right there on his nightstand in his cell uh, because it's not going anywhere if the team's not involved. And so we see the necessity as we are looking uh, at Colossians 4. And you can turn there in your Bible. I wish you would. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back we'd love to give you. If you raise your hand, we'll send an usher your way to get you a Bible. Uh, but Colossians 4, 7 through 9, uh, we're introduced to at least two names that are going to be really important for you in your faith. Uh, in your understanding of the Bible, to understand how they were involved in the teamwork that allowed the gospel to go to Asia Minor and Macedonia and, and Rome and all these places the Bible, the Bible or, or the gospel went are there uh, in part because of the faithfulness of people that you won't even spend the time studying in your Bible study, uh, which should give you a lot of encouragement uh, to know that it isn't just the select few Pauls and Peters and Johns uh, who do the work of ministry. It's also the Tychicus and Onesimus and uh, other people that you're going to read throughout the next few verses. And how their faithfulness uh, to the mission allowed the mission to take place the way that it did. Much like at the end of a movie when you see the credits rolling, uh, it was all those people who made that movie happen. And without them, the movie wouldn't have happened the way that it did. It's so important for you and I 
to understand uh, that everyone has a part to play in God's church. Everyone has a part to play. And remember, I talked to you in the announcements about the organism versus the institution. I'm talking about both, but you realize I'm talking about the institution because there's an organism. Right? I'm talking about an institution in a building because we have people who make up the bride of Christ. And so when I say everyone has a part to play in the church, I'm saying everyone has a part to play in the bride of Christ. Everyone has a part to play in the organism that is each one of us are a member of Uh, the body. And I don't mean member in the sense of walking down an aisle and saying, I'd like to be a member of your church. I'm saying every one of us are a member of the body, just like my pinky is a member of my body, just like my thumbnail is a part of my body, and and my toes and my legs. That's what the Bible, when it talks about the body of Christ, it's talking about the members of your body. And in the same way, if you're a Christian, you can no longer function outside the body no more than my pinky could function apart from my body if it was cut off and laying over there. What I'm saying is, All of the member of the body plays a part in the body. Just like if you're a Christian in here, it's so pivotal and important for you to be playing your role in the body of Christ. And if we do this rightly, and if we do this well, and if each one of us are faithfully walking uh, and playing our part in the body of Christ, uh, we ought to stand out in culture today. right? If you and I are going all out and we're all in, uh, in God's church, we ought to stand out in today's culture because of our audacious commitment to one another. Uh, something that we don't see in our culture today is people's commitment to one another. Right? We are a very isocentric group of people. Uh, we're very uh, autonomous. Right? It's, it's about me. Uh, and if, if it suits me, it's about me and my small group of, of family members right here. But this is what life's about Uh, But Scripture teaches a much different uh, perspective of the need and the importance of community, and we're going to see that in this text. But for you and for me, we will stand out in our culture today if we would be audacious in our commitment to one another, to the people in this room, to the people at the 11 o'clock and the 9 o'clock. If we look and and exercise our part in the body of Christ uh, towards one another, we're going to make a gospel impact we're going to do big things in the city because when people see Compass Bible Church, they don't see a brand and a name. They see a body of believers who are taking serious the commands of Scripture of all the one another's that we see in Scripture. Love one another, care for one another, forgive one another, uh, hold one another's burdens. The one another's are so important. Uh, and without the one another's, you don't see the church of God functioning uh, in the way that it ought to. And without this Uh, commitment to community, uh, the encouragement that we get from community, uh, the edification that we receive from being involved in one another's lives. Uh, Without those things, uh, we have isolated lives, we have uninformed lives, uh, and it really keeps us from God's plan for His church. I mean, that's really what what we're missing when we're not audaciously committed to community. Uh, If we're not audaciously committed to community, we're audaciously committed to isolation. And you realize that because we can't have one foot in and one foot out the door. Community doesn't work that way. Just like your marriage doesn't work that way. Parenting doesn't work that way. Actually, nothing that matters in life uh, works with one foot in and one foot out. Everything that is meaningful in our life happens uh, because we're all in. And that's the same way that we got saved. Uh, Christ didn't say, uh, deny some of yourself, uh, take up half of this cross, and follow me half the time. He didn't. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's, it's an all-in kind of thing. Uh, and it's the same way in the body of Christ. And no one's ever told, no one's ever said this to me, but I'm sure you've thought about it. Uh, when you think of 
We always talk about God's plan for his church, God's plan for his church, and we never really talk about, what about God's plan for you? What about you when you go out with your job and your, uh, your family? Uh, and you're right, God does have a, a will and a plan uh, for you, for your family, all those things, uh, but they're inextricably tied up in God's church, right? Uh, because you realize that if you're a Christian, you are part of God's church. And the way that you live uh, when you're not gathered corporately matters, and it has a purpose. But that purpose is to do one thing that Christ said when he was talking to his disciples, and it was to build my church. And that's what Christ said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. He didn't say, uh, he didn't say hey, uh, we're going to build Microsoft and uh, Apple's not going to take over it. Okay? Uh, it was not the, this organization and this organization over this organization. It was, hey, I have a focus, and the focus is the church. And I'll make you a promise, the church isn't going to fail. Satan's going to want to attack and defeat the church, but he's not. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Right. And so when we talk about this idea of, of our lives linked to the body, I mean, if your life, you, you've separated it so far from the body of Christ, this is a great time this morning to, to let's sever some of those issues and let's put you back where you belong, and that's in the body of Christ. So you walking faithfully within the body of Christ is going to answer a lot of the issues you may have in your marriage and in a lot of the parenting woes that you are dealing with and a lot of your, uh, your problem-solving and your using biblical uh, principles in your company are all going to come to a, a greater realization when you're functioning properly in the body of Christ. Uh, so much about our lives uh, will be answered when we're faithfully committed to one another. God's church. Uh, Jordan did a good job reading uh, Colossians 4, 7 through 9, so let's just jump in uh, to verse 7. It says, Tychicus is going to tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister, diakonos, right? Servant is what that word is. Uh, Diakonos is where you get the word in some churches, the deacon. uh, It is actually the word uh, diakonos, rendered servant, and fellow servant, which is why they... uh, that's doulos, or sin doulos here, meaning slave. And so you're a faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. What I want you to focus on, and I, and I want you to flip there. If you haven't flipped there for the second time, flip to, uh, flip to Colossians 4, 7 through 9, because I want to show you something. Uh, right, this morning we're talking about verses 7 through 9, but verses 7 through 9 are talking about something really important for you and me. Uh, and it's our commitment to one another. It's our commitment to uh, a reciprocity within our relationships with one another. Not that our relationships depend on reciprocity, but you see the reciprocity happening within the relationships here, even in verses 7 uh, and 8 when they say this. Uh, look at verse 7 with me. Tychicus is going to tell you all about my activities. We're talking about Paul. Tychicus was the letter sender, or the the courier, if you will. He was taking the letter from Rome to the Lycus Valley to Colossae, took some other letters we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, But it's important to know this. Colossians cared enough about Paul to know what was going on in Paul's life. Okay, which is a message all in of itself, and some of you, uh, some of us, including myself, need to take that for what it is and say, you need to be caring about other Christians, and you need to be caring about what's going on in their lives. Enough that if they were to send you a letter and a letter carrier, you would take enough time to read it and, and understand it and be concerned with what's going on. And so you have Paul, 
who is concerned about the Colossians enough to want to undergird their faith with uh, some help and some encouragement, because you understand what was going on in Colossae. There were men in the church who were questioning the deity of Christ, who were trying to get the Colossians to follow beliefs that weren't true, that weren't biblical, uh, and he saw a, a problem with that, so he cared enough to write him a letter. And he cared enough to send him one of his best companions, Tychicus, one of his favorite, uh, one of his favorite companions, one of his best friends. Uh, while he's in prison in Rome, he says, hey, it's better that you go there. Go, go there and, and give them some encouragement because they need you and I, and I want them to be encouraged. And I think you're going to be the best encouragement they have. I send you with my encouragement. You can be an encouragement. Um, this is just going to be great, right? Uh, Tychicus is going to tell you all about my activities. In verse 8, it says there, I have sent him to you for this very purpose. So the whole reason that we have the letter to the Colossians is this, that you may know how we are. He's talking about Paul and his companions there imprisoned in Rome, uh, and that he may encourage your hearts. We have Tychicus taking the letter to the Colossians so that they will know, hey, here's what's going on in the life and ministry of Paul. Remember how important Paul's ministry was, right? He was the bearer of the mystery of Christ. And so it's a little different than me uh, being in prison because I'm just, I'm just the pastor of Compass Bible Church, right? which is, is a good big stewardship. It's a big responsibility. But I'm not the bearer of the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentile community that didn't have the gospel. And so there is a real link uh, to the Colossian church who has the gospel because of Paul and Paul's desire to tell them, hey, listen, the gospel didn't fail because I'm in prison. As he told the Philippian church, he said, listen, the gospel didn't fail because I'm in prison. Actually, me being in prison has served to advance the gospel. So it is for this encouragement to know that the bearer of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles isn't being pent up in a prison in Rome. It's being propagated and exported. And me being in prison didn't stop the advancement of the gospel. This is an encouragement that Paul is sending this letter to the Colossians, and he's saying, this is so good, and the gospel is good, and we're here for one another, and this is going to be great. And he's sending this, and he's saying, I don't only want to tell you what's going on in my life. I'm sending you Tychicus because he's going to encourage you. He's going to tell you even more than this letter says. Wouldn't you have loved to be in Colossae? There's a lot more things that Paul wanted to say, and he didn't write it down. He told Tychicus, hey, can you tell them this other thing that's going on and these couple other things? You know everything. Can you tell them the rest of the story? It's like, like uh, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Like We don't get it. We don't get the rest of the story because it wasn't in the letter. But Tychicus was the rest of the story. You see how the faithfulness of Tychicus was so important to the encouragement of the church there in Colossae and other churches. Uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit. But for you and for me, it's, we need to see the, the, the part of the reciprocity in these relationships here, that it did take faithful people uh, to take part in ministry uh, to have the mutual encouragement. That you and I, a lot of times, we don't have those kind of people that care about us, and you don't feel like maybe you're one of those people who don't care a lot about other people. Uh, and the simple fact is uh, you're that way because you're not fully functioning in the body of Christ. Right? Uh, one of the things I love about being the pastor of the body of Christ here uh, is I never lack the mutual encouragement from the people of God. Uh, and I do my best to uh, reciprocate with the mutual encouragement to the people of God. And that's why a big reason why preaching messages is really important, because this should be an encouragement to you. Uh, but the further you find yourself outside of this group, uh, that is, maybe you're, you're new, maybe you've been here for a few weeks, but you've never got into a community, you've never got into discipleship, and you can, you can say, truly, uh, I just never get the encouragement that you guys are talking about. I never get the community that you guys are talking about. And we can keep saying over and over again, 
Yeah, that's true, because you're outside of the peripheries of the community. You need to find yourself in the middle of it, where Tychicus found himself, where Paul found himself, and where the church at Colossae found themselves, where they were deeply involved in each other's lives in such a way where they received the mutual encouragement, and their hearts were encouraged because they were known. They were known to one another. Their names are even being called out in Scripture because they're so known that they can be loved, right? You're not going to be fully loved until you're fully known. And that's so important for you to understand in the body of Christ. You want to be loved in the body of Christ? You need to be known in the body of Christ. And these kind of relationships that we create in God's church, you can find in verse 7, right? He's a beloved brother. He's a faithful servant or minister, uh, and he's a fellow slave in Christ. Uh, just three of the uh, descriptors uh, that tell us who Tychicus was. Right? He wasn't a guy on the side of the road who got paid a couple of bucks to take a letter somewhere. I mean, he's, he's literally one of the most faithful servants that Paul has in the ministry to the Gentiles. Uh, he's a fellow slave, sin do loss, right? He's one of those people who's been saved, and uh, he's and, and total, and totally indebted to the work of Christ, just like you and I ought to be. Uh, but he's not just a slave somewhere else to Christ. He's a fellow slave. He's been working alongside Paul for years and years and years, and I love him. That's what it says in verse 7. He's a loved brother. There's a lot of you in here who are brothers and sisters right, in Christ. But how many of you are beloved brothers and sisters in here? How many of you uh, are the kind who say, you know what, I love that brother over there? Or there's a difference between saying, yes, I'm a Christian, so we're brothers and sisters, uh, and saying, I'm a loved brother, I'm a loved sister. You are a loved brother, you are a loved sister. Because to be loved, it, there's a commitment required and there's an intentionality required in that. Uh, you know that in your dating relationships, when you get married, you know these things. Uh, you don't just love somebody because you looked at them, and, and you guys are both humans, and you're male, and, and you're female, and we're going to love each other. You know, that's not how it happens. Those things are necessary, right? Uh, but you love each other because you committed to one another. You've grown with one another. You've made uh, promises and vows to one another. Therefore, you are beloved to one another in the same way that was how God's church works. When we are committed to one another, when we are... Uh, making vows, if you will, to one another. That's when we find the, uh, the commitment, the audacious commitment to community. That's when we find uh, the beloved community, the faithful community that we've been looking for. Uh, I don't have time, but I, I can even, even talk about Onesimus, right? Uh, on Onesimus, which you see him in verse, uh, look at him in verse 8, or in verse 9, excuse me. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Onesimus next week. No, next week is all about Onesimus. Okay? Uh, but it would, it's important for me to bring him up now uh, because he's so important to the, the sending of this letter uh, because he's got another letter with Tychicus that he's giving to his previous uh, owner, master, named Philemon. Okay? And so you have Onesimus here going with Tychicus. Uh, and the problem was is Onesimus was from Colossae. And he ran away from Colossae, and he ran away from his master, which is against the law to run away, be a slave and to run away from your master. And he runs to Rome, and while he's there, he meets the Apostle Paul. And he meets the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul preaches the gospel. Onesimus gets saved. And then Paul says, you know what you do when you're committed to audacious community, Onesimus? You know what you do? You go back and you reconcile. You go back and you go back and you, you repent from doing wrong. Uh, you go back and you say, I know you were once a slave, but now you are a brother. And we're going to learn that when we jump into Philemon next week for a moment. Uh, but you see, the point here is, it's not just Tychicus being a faithful 
Christian. It's Onesimus who also saw you're right. I ran away from here, and I was a sinner, and I was a non-Christian, and now I repented of my sins, I trusted in you, and I need to go make things right. Just like Jesus said, uh, when uh, you find out you have something against your brother, and you're, you're, at the, you're worshiping God, and you put your gift before God, and you realize you have something against someone, or they have something against you, what did he say? Get up, go make things right, and then come back when you're done and worship me. Or the same thing, Onesimus understood that being a Christian meant that he was committed to audacious community. And he said, I'm going to have to take the thousand-mile trip from Rome back to Colossae to reconcile relationships. All I'm saying is community, uh, it expresses itself in a lot of ways, uh, even when you're in a good relationship or or, or you are in a conflicting relationship. Okay, and you have Tychicus, who was faithful, who's been a Christian for a long time, who was just being an encouragement. But then with him, you still have another Christian who became a Christian recently. Uh, and he's a little bit down and out, right? He's very afraid that he goes back to Philemon. And if Philemon doesn't act like a Christian, he can have him in prison because he was a runaway slave. And so even with all this, you see the conflict in community. We're not always going to have a happy-go-lucky community. We're going to have to deal with real problems in the body of Christ. We're going to have to deal with real struggle in the body of Christ. And even uh, Onesimus is this great example of saying, I'm going to do my part in God's church to be a faithful, committed Christian. And part of that is I'm going to go reconcile. I'm going to repent. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go before, I'm going to go before the family of God in Colossae, and I'm going to let God take care of the rest. And all I'm saying is this finds its expression in a million different ways. And whether or not you're somebody uh, who is more like an Onesimus and you've done a lot of wrong things and uh, you, you ran away and you became a Christian uh, and you haven't been in church in a long time, or whether you're a Tychicus who you've been faithful to God's church for many, many years, or somewhere in between, uh, you have a part to play in the community of Christ, and you have to take that seriously. I put this this way in point number one, is you need to fully commit to community. Point number one, you need to fully commit to community. Something that we see throughout the New Testament from the disciples who uh, Christ said, hey, come and follow me, and they drop their nets, and they drop their lives, and they drop their careers, and they follow Christ. It's, it's the same concept all throughout the New Testament, all throughout church history, and all the way to where we are right now at Compass Bible Church. Right? Uh, it is important that we fully commit to community. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you feel real compelled, you could. Uh, how many of you have gone to church and you say, I don't really feel like I belong? Right? I don't really feel like I belong here, right? Uh, like, I don't, you don't feel like you're a part of the team. You don't feel like you're really a part of what's going on here, right? Others are connecting. I see other people, they're best friends. They just met yesterday and now they're hanging out. Their kids call each other brother and sister. Uh, and all these people, they're best friends, but not me. Not me. I'm not. I, I, what's wrong with these people? Are they crazy? Uh, others have testimonies of close relationships that transcend Sundays. Uh, I mean, there's people who say, I've been hanging out with people at this church every single day since I got here. And you may be the one that's saying, I haven't had dinner with a single person at Compass Bible Church. You know, what's going on here? Uh, and I'd ask yourself this question, are you fully committed? Right? Have you walked in here and said, whatever it is, I'm going to do it? And I'm not going to do anything illegal, I'm not going to do anything ungodly, I'm not going to do anything unbiblical, but as far as the leadership of your church goes, as far as uh, the way that you guys practice community at your church, in line with Scripture, am I fully committed? Right? That means, am I going to church on the weekends? Right? 
Am I, am I ditching out right after service is over? Or every time those pastors get up there and tell you every, every week, hey, spend time after service. Don't leave. Grab a donut. Grab a water. Throw your kids in the bounce house and hang out for a little bit. Right? Do you do that? Or you're like, I know they tell me this every week, but I'm not doing it. Right? Uh, are, you, are you in a life group? Are you, I mean, every single week we preach life group, life group, go to a life group, be in community, go to a life group. Are you in a life group? All I'm saying is, if you're one of those people who say, I just don't feel like I belong, it's like, yeah, yeah, I bet you don't. Like, I bet you don't feel like you belong when you don't do the things that, that the church has said, here's how you can feel like you belong if you're a Christian. It's not just going to church on Sundays, which I know. I grew up in Texas, born and raised a Texan. I get it. Right? You're going to have to knock that cultural Christianity out of your head to truly experience the kind of community that the Bible teaches about. And it's not just going to church on Sunday. It's living life with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's for you to say, I'm going to go to church when I'm not sick or on vacation. And even when I'm on vacation, I'm going to go find a community of believers there and go to church. I'm going to connect to life group because I know that my faith is not going to be growing if I don't have this deep, uh, intentional, intimate relationships with a small group of Christian believers. I know I'm, I'm not going to grow if these things don't happen. Right? And thirdly, which is something you see here with Tychicus and Onesimus, Serving, right? If you're one of those people that say, you know what, I, I don't want to serve. I don't want to build. I mean, I, I, I love this idea of building God's church. I like how you guys talk about it. You make it sound real nice, but I just don't have time for it. Uh, that's just not what it means to be a Christian. To, mean, to be a Christian, again, like Christ said, deny yourself, which we can just stay right there. Let's forget it. Let's not even talk about taking your cross and following Christ. If you would just deny yourself a little bit, you're going to find plenty of time to serve and build God's church. Right? Then you understand that serving is also often going to be taking your cross and, and dealing with a little bit of pain and discomfort and a little bit of sacrifice. Uh, and then following Christ is a whole other ball game. When you do all three of those things, you're going to be serving in God's church really, really well. And all I'm saying is if in your own life uh, you don't feel like you connect in God's church, I ask the question, are you doing the things that the church asks you to do that make you involved in God's church? Because if you're doing those things, you're going to feel connected feel. You are going to be connected, and you are going to be in community. I scarcely ever have people come up to me and say, I do all these things. I attend, I connect, and I serve, and I don't feel a part of your church. I, and I never have that, and the truth is, is because once you put all those feelers and you connect all those connections, you're going to find yourself fully functioning in the body of Christ. I want you to think about the teammates you've had in your life right now. If you played team sports, if you grew up in Texas, you at least played 30 of them. So, uh, you know, I remember some really good teammates and some really bad teammates. Uh, the good teammates are the ones who showed up a little bit early. I played football and uh, for until I was in high school. I had a problem putting all my pads in my pants. Anybody ever have that problem? Now, if you're young, they're built into your pants, but they weren't, they didn't used to be that way, okay? You used to have to be like a, you know, a sewing master to get all your pads in your pants. Uh, and I had great teammates who sometimes would show up a little bit early to help me put my pads in my pants. Uh, I'm like, that's a great teammate. They're helping me get dressed, you know? Uh, and I remember having bad teammates, right? The ones who made you run extra because they wouldn't listen, right? The ones who couldn't remember the plays because they didn't go home and learn them, right? The, the ones who, uh, the ones who uh, slacked off in practice and it showed in the games. I mean, you, you, know, you know the good teammates from the bad teammates. And all I'm saying is, like, in God's church, are you being a good teammate or a bad teammate? Are you being the, a good teammate who's like, you know what? Uh, everything uh, that I've been called to do as a Christian, I'm going to do those things, and I don't want to wait. I want to do them right now. I want to do them today. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I want to do it today. 
Or are you one of those who say, you know what, I know what the playbook says, I know what the coaches say, I know what the other players are doing, but not me. I just, I, just, I don't want to do it. Okay, great. That's called a bad teammate. And all I'm saying is you don't like bad teammates. Don't be a bad teammate. Be a good teammate. Be the kind of teammate who is fully committed to the community. Uh, great teammates also uh, do another thing, right? Great teammates do two things really well. They have the ear of their coaches, and they have the trust of their teammates, okay? And what you see uh, here in Colossae is this exact thing in verse 8 when Tychicus, who was a great teammate, who his coach, you could argue, was the Apostle Paul, right? And his teammates were the Colossians, because if you don't know, Tychicus is Asian. He's from Asia, right? He was an Asian from Asia, and where is Colossae? Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Okay, so he's really one of them. And so he's going there, and he has the ear of his coach, and he has the trust of this people, his group, uh, and he's going there, and he's being sent to them for a purpose. Right? Uh, and his purpose, like I've, I've iterated before, and I'll reiterate, was to send a trusted piece of information from Paul to the Gentiles, right, for the express purpose of updating them and encouraging them, right? Uh, and like I said before, imagine, put yourself in, your, in the sandals of the Colossians who have these men who they had trusted, uh, who, was, who was giving them false doctrine, right? These men had other, this church had men in the church who were teaching them bad things about, the, about Scripture, about the Old Testament, about the letters that they had already been given there in the New Testament. They were given uh, lies. And now they're like, well, who can we trust? Who do, who do we listen to? We don't have the New Testament yet. They didn't have the New Testament. It hadn't been codified yet. Uh, and so, like, who do we trust? We have these people coming, and they're telling us things. How do we know what's true and what's not true? And then they see Tychicus, you know, walking. He's at mile 999, and they see him real small, and he hits mile 1,000, which is how far it is from Rome to Colossae. And they're like, Tychicus. I can trust Tychicus. I know that he's going to tell me the truth about who God is. Imagine the relief of the Colossians to see a godly man sending a letter from another godly man to a church who wants to be godly. Okay? How many times in your life do you, do you wish, I, just had, I wish I had someone godly in my life to give me some counsel. I wish I just had someone who was going after the Lord. I wish I just had someone who I knew I could trust when it comes to the things of God and it comes to things in my life. I just want to trust someone because there's so many voices out there that I just don't know who to trust. Anybody? Okay, God has an answer for those things. And we see it playing itself out even here with Tychicus saying, I'm fully committed. Onesimus is saying, I'm fully committed. Colossian church, hey, I'm fully committed. And they said, great, if you're going to be fully committed, you need to do this. And it's point number two. You need to look out for each other. You need to look out for each other. See, everyone in this, in this picture was, was looking out for each other. Right. Tychicus and Paul were looking out for Onesimus by going with him and trying to broker reconciliation between Philemon, which we'll talk about again like next week. Uh, you have Paul, who was very concerned because Epaphras told Paul that the Colossian church was being infiltrated by people who didn't believe in the full deity of Christ, and so he cared enough to write a letter, and Epaphras couldn't go back, so he sent Tychicus, his closest companion, over there. They just had people looking out for each other. Uh, two weeks ago, I... Uh, I was at work, and me and my wife have one car, and uh, our TV broke, and uh, it broke twice, I don't know, whatever, it broke twice, and I was upset, and we were getting a new TV, and they didn't really tell us when they were going to be there, uh, and it was like 
12 o'clock or like 11.30 in the afternoon or in, in the morning, and uh, these, this beat-up white van pulls up in the, in the driveway, and my wife calls me. She says, there's people here. And I'm like, well, they're in a white van. I was like, what does it say? It's, it doesn't say anything. It just has dents in it, and it's terrifying. And then the door's open, and two guys come out. And she's like, and there's two guys. And, and I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? And she's like, I, I need, and I'm like, well, in my mind, I'm like, well, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm gonna, what am I going to walk from church home? I mean, Tychicus walked from Rome to Colossae. I guess I could walk home. Uh, and I'm like, you know what I'll do? I have something better than a letter. I have a phone. So I text one of my closest friends, uh, Matt, and I say, Matt, no, I call him. What am I crazy? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm calling. I, did, I called him. I said, dude. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, my wife is at home alone, and two creepy guys in a white van have parked in the front yard, and they said they're going to deliver a TV, but I need you to go make sure it's really a TV. Uh, and, 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 of course, you know, Matt has a full-time job, obviously. He's working full-time. And he, without, without dropping a hat, he's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'll go over there. And so Matt goes over to my house and makes sure that my wife is taken care of. All I'm saying is that's just a small expression of the church looking out for each other. And all I'm saying is I know there's many of you in here who you, you, don't, you didn't know who to call if something like that happens. Like you, you would not have a list of people that you could count on who could be there in a drop of a hat if you're in an emergency or if you're in a place and you need some help. And all I'm saying, if you're fully committed to community, you're going to find people. I called Matt, and I know he works full time, right? He's the breadwinner in his home, and I'm like, he'll, he'll drop it. I know he will. He loves me. And literally, I call him, and what did he do? He dropped what he was doing, and he went and took care of me. And all I'm saying is, you need to get you some people like that, and you get you people like that when you're fully committed to the people of God. And I can promise that. And it's so important for you and for I to have people who are looking out for each other, not just with things with doctrine, which is really important, uh, but also things of life, things that pertain to life and godliness, or things that we need people looking out for us. You know, I know that you're all wanting people to look out for you, but I want to ask you the question, how many times have you looked out for other people? Like, how many times uh, has someone reached out to you for help and you say, I don't have time? Or, hey, I'm at work, which Matt could have told me, and I'd have been like, I understand. Uh, or, hey, I just don't have time. Hey, uh, we were going to go do something else. You know, fill in the blank. Right? How often have you been leaned on for the, for, for the help and you turned it down? And all I'm saying is that that's the same attitude that keeps these kind of things from happening. Because at the end of the day, to be a Christian means I'm denying myself, and it means I'm going to look out for the people around me. I'm going to look out for the brothers and sisters. You know, Tychicus, when Paul says, Tychicus, i got a plan, bud. I need you to walk a thousand miles. I know it sounds big, but it's fine. It's, it, it won't take very long. A thousand miles, and I need you to send this letter. Tychicus could have been like, bro, I have been on a ship with you that shipwrecked out in the Mediterranean, which he was, right? I have, I have been beat with you. I've been in prison with you. And you now you want me to go all the way back and do that again? <laughs> He's like, no, man. But you know what he did? He said, here I am. I'll go. Take, give me the letter. Just because I understand the need to look out for each other. I understand the need for Christians to be the one saying, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Whatever we need, uh, we're going to go out there and we're going we're gonna to help each other out because it's so important. There's nothing better than knowing that God's people are looking out for each other, right? And, and if, you, if you've had this happen to you on a regular basis, you, you know, right? The, the, the fact that you can rely on the people of God to, to fill the needs of the people of God, right? There is nothing more important than the church doing that. Uh, 
A scripture I want to flip you to, Philippians. You can flip to Philippians just for a moment. Uh, Philippians 2, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture that tells you the importance of having people that you can count on, having people that you know you can lean on who have their priorities straight. Philippians 2 in verse 19. Philippians 2, 19. Here's what it says. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they, all these other people, they seek their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Right? I mean, as Paul's trying to think, I mean, I don't even have, Paul's like, I don't even have a long list of people. But, but I do know this one person that I trust with my life, and his name is Timothy. And as a matter of fact, he doesn't just care for me. He's going to be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He's, he's one of those people that I'm like, off the top of my head, Timothy's the man, right? You need some help, Timothy's the guy. You're moving a washer and dryer, and you can't lift it by yourself, Timothy's the man, right? Timothy also preaches a lot uh, when you read First and Second Timothy. Uh, and Paul said, you know what? You also don't need to be genuinely concerned for other people and their welfare. You need to be concerned about their spiritual welfare. And, he, and Paul tells Timothy in, in First and Second Timothy, you need to preach the word. You need to teach what accords to sound doctrine. You need to make sure that you're teaching, reproofing, correcting people in righteousness and training them. Right? You need to make sure that, that you're not just the, the person that's taking care of need, physical needs of people. You need to be taking the spiritual need and, and take care of the spiritual needs of people. And all I'm saying is looking out for one another encompasses all the things in our life, whether it's cooking a meal for someone who is sick or helping someone move their homes, which we did a lot of that when we planted this church, didn't we? We helped a lot of people move. Uh, but it's also, okay, what about now? What about now? What are, we, are we helping each other in discipleship? Are we helping each other in parenting, in marriage? I mean, uh, what are we doing? Are we stepping out and saying, hey, you know what, I, seen the, I, see that you're, I see that you're struggling in that area, and I know it's a little awkward to talk about it, but let's talk about it because I want to see you thrive. And here's what the Bible teaches, and I'd love to help you, and I'd love for you to help me keep me accountable so that we can walk together and grow in our relationship with, with God and one another. Right? Uh, we say it this way at our church a lot. If you want to see a need, meet a need. I mean, that it's, it doesn't have to be on your job description to do it, right? If you see a need, go meet the need, right? And as little as you see a piece of trash laying on the campus, pick it up and throw it away. Or if there's a need, you met it, right? If there's somebody who needs the gospel, meet that need, give them the gospel, right? I mean, whatever it is, uh, I'm in a ton of group chats, and in the group chat, there's always somebody who reaches out, hey, uh, as a good Christian should, when you need help, reach out. Uh, and the people reach out, and people are like, eh, I don't know, well, let me go figure out. If it's the only thing I have left to do to, uh, tomorrow, I'll do it, uh, but let me check my schedule. Uh, and all I'm saying is make sure that when you see a need, meet the need, right, extend the hand, go the extra mile, right, spend the extra dollar, those kind of things. Do the things uh, that look out for each other. And often looking out for each other means you have to say no to yourself. And I just look at Tychicus's life. Tychicus spent his whole life saying no to himself and yes to God and yes for the good of the church. And I know that we're, we're not often enthused to raise our hand when it comes to commitment. We're not enthused to make the first move. Uh, we're not always the ones who want to step out in faith first. We're always the ones who, I'd like to step out in faith after those 10 people did it, just so I know what it feels like out there. Like I know it'll hold me and then I'll go. And all I'm saying is if everybody did that, nobody would move, right? Can you imagine everyone's waiting on somebody, uh, and nobody's being somebody, 
And what we got to make sure is that we're the somebody who's stepping out in faith. I've been talking a lot about Tychicus and his individual faithfulness uh, and uh, how important it is for us uh, to be the ones who raise our hand and say, I'll be the one. Uh, I want you to know Tychicus, he's uh, mentioned five times in the New Testament, which did you know that? I mean, that's a lot of times to be mentioned in the New Testament without you knowing who this person was. Uh, There's a lot of us in here who've never heard of Tychicus in their life, and now you know he's in the Bible five times. I mean, I would be a super rock star if I was in there once, right? But he's in there five times, and we don't know anything about the guy. Like, he was so important that he's in the book of Acts, uh, in the midst of Paul's persecution, uh, right? You know, when Paul gets arrested there over in, uh, in Asia, like, oh, yeah, when, when you have the riot in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesus uh, because of the temple of Artemis, uh, and uh, Paul's preaching the gospel, and the team is preaching the gospel so well uh, that the, uh, the silversmiths get mad because Artemis is a, is a, is a Greek god, and Artemis was, uh, the silversmiths made their living because of making these figures and making uh, worship to Artemis. And Paul's preaching the gospel, and these silversmiths are like, uh-uh, not here. You're taking away our money, our jobs, our careers, which often the gospel does do those things. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, a riot happens in Ephesus. And uh, it talks about Paul being sent from Ephesus all the way to, so back to uh, Israel, Jerusalem, and then over to Rome. You know who was with him that whole time? Tychicus. And you don't see him think, Paul, write more about me right there. You see, remember when I drug you out of that pile of people? Like, he's just, saying, he's just happy to be there. Right? Acts 20, verse 4. Ephesians 6, 21. Uh, Colossians 4, 7, where we're at. Titus 3, 12. 2 Timothy 4, 12. Those are all places that Tychicus is found in Scripture. And a lot of these, uh, like Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, the reason that uh, he's so important is you and I have the letters of Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon today because of Tychicus. Because of Tychicus. He's the one who went and took the letters to the Ephesians, he took the letter to the Colossians, and he took the letter of Philemon and delivered it to Philemon. And so you have this guy who we didn't even know, you've probably never heard a sermon on Tychicus before, because I haven't either. Uh, but I'm telling you, the guy was so important to our faith. And the reason that he was so influential is just simply because he said, I'll go. Like, I'll do it. Like, you can imagine, you know, I, I need a letter sent somewhere, and I need one of you guys to do it. I mean, if people would be like, ah, I got lunch plans. As a matter of fact, you need to wrap this up. My lunch is happening soon. Uh, and I'm saying, can you send this letter first? Uh, you know, what I'm saying is, you have a guy here who just said, whatever it is, I'll do it. And you need to go encourage the church, I'll go do it, right? You need to let them know some things that are going on, I'll do it. I mean, he was just, he was an all-in kind of guy. Uh, and, and not only was he a, a letter courier, uh, according to Titus 3.12, he was one of the two people mentioned when Paul said Titus, and Titus was in Crete, which was an island in the Mediterranean Sea, and he, he get, he, Paul sent Titus this letter, and he said, by the way, I need you to come see me, so come see me a thousand miles away, and don't worry. I'll leave the churches in Crete in the care of Tychicus. Think about that. He wasn't only somebody who just would send a letter. He was so helpful and profitable, and he was such a, uh, he was such a great member of the church at large that Paul and Titus said, you can take care of my churches. I mean, you can go sit in that pulpit. You can go care for the needs of the church. You can go care for the widows and the orphans that are in our... We, we would love to give you... Uh, our churches, because we know you're going to love them and take care of them. I mean, how many people do you know? How many people do I know who I would want them to sit up here in this pulpit and teach you guys about God's Word? Not many. I've been trying to find people, and it's hard. 
It's hard to know. I don't think I trust people, that many people. So to have people that you can trust in that way, to do those things, is, is so important. And, and, and I just want to put it this way, point number three, right? we got to start with ourselves. And point number three is you need to start with yourself. Uh, and I know we all want to be a part of a, of a committed community. We, every one of us. I mean, you, if you have church shopped, the, the one thing that you look for when you church shop, hopefully good doctrine, good preaching, those things are important. Uh, but the other thing that you look for that's kind of 1A, or you have 1A, which is hopefully the preaching of God's Word. 1B is like, I just want to feel like, you know, that church is doing something. I want to feel like they're just committed. Uh, but not me. I just, I just like to watch committed people do things. I don't really like to be the committed person. But I love being a part of a church that moves. Like, I love, I love it when they introduce staff, and they do baptisms, and they have the giant Easter celebrations. You know, I love it when they're talking about the gospel, and I need to do it. But, but I just like watching people do it. You know, some of, so many of us want to, be, want to benefit from a committed community, but they don't want to be faithful participants in a committed community. And all I'm saying is that's the slow roll to get to a community of people who aren't committed, right? I mean, that is the slippery slope of saying there's going to be a day when everyone wants to be a part of a committed community, but no one wants to be the participant in the committed community. And uh, we try to preach this in the pulpit when we can, when it comes up in the text, because we don't want to be a church like that. We know it's going to be a sacrifice. We know that to be like Tychicus, to be like Onesimus, and to be like Paul and Timothy and all the people we're going to read about throughout this series, it's not easy to be those guys. Uh, but those are the people who get called out in Scripture as being faithful witnesses and faithful parts of the body of Christ. Uh, and they're there for us to learn from, like Scripture says. Like All the Scripture is given to us so we can learn from it and we can apply it to our lives. And what we've got to do is we've got to just say, I'm going to start with me. Like, whatever it is, uh, whatever it needs to do, if it needs to be life group, if it needs to be somewhere to serve in our church, uh, whatever it is, I'm going to start with me. I know there's other people in here who need to do it too, but i got to start with myself. Uh, one scripture I want you to turn to, last scripture I want you to turn to, Isaiah 6. Go to Isaiah 6. Um, something you've seen all the way up to this point is the people that we've mentioned here, they stood up and they just said, I'm going to start with myself. I'm going to start with me. Isaiah 6. Uh, you have Isaiah, uh, who's in the, who, who is being, uh, has a vision of the throne room of God. And in verse 1, it says this, In the year of King Uzziah, the year that he died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, two covered their face, two covered their feet, and two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at his voice of the hymn who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Uh, number one, you need to know who you're serving. Like, I mean, whatever you're doing, whether you're Tychicus taking a letter from Rome to Colossae, or whether you're somebody here taking a coffee to somebody who wants one, or sharing the gospel with your neighbor, understand that the one who you are serving is to the one to whom angels and, and seraphim are lifted high, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, who the very foundations of the threshold would shake at his voice. I mean, that's who you're serving. You're not moving chairs uh, for Pastor Hayden or Pastor Evan or, or for some, I mean, you're, you're doing this for the Lord. I mean, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for God, for the very one to whom the heavens declare in majesty, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the earth is full of his glory. That's who we're serving. That's why we get to start with ourselves, because we know who ourselves are looking to. Now, uh, here's a proper response to anyone in the presence of the holy God. Uh, 
and Isaiah the prophet, right? If there's anyone holy before God, it should be Isaiah the prophet, okay? Isaiah the prophet, if there's anyone who says, you know, that guy, he's probably good with the Lord. Well, look at his response. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm like, if you're lost, we're all lost, right? If, if Isaiah is lost, we're all doomed, right? And he says, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, you're the... You're, you're Isaiah. Like, your lips are the ones who declare the prophecies of God, the oracles of God. Like, and you're saying your lips are unclean? Like, imagine how we should be feeling in the presence of God. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The one of the, the, then one of the seraphim flew to him, having his hand on a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched his mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Uh, we can get into that, but what you needed to see was the atonement for Isaiah to purify him, even though that you and I would say he was a great human. Uh, it took the atonement of God to make him right before God, and the atonement is the same for us. In Christ, our sins are atoned for, therefore we are acceptable before the Lord, uh, and then we are useful for the Lord, which is what we're getting to right here. Right? It wasn't until after Isaiah was atoned for in verse 7 that we get what it says in verse 8. And verse 8 says, and he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here I am. I'll go. Right? Here I am. Send me. Right? And so what I'm saying here and what the Scripture is teaching is that when your sins are atoned for, there is no other proper response than to say, I'll go. Right? When you're a Christian and you're part of the body of Christ, there is no other response than say, I'm doing it. Tychicus, is, he said he got saved. Tychicus got saved and he said, I'll go. Right. Epaphras got saved in Ephesus. Remember the reason that the Colossian church exists was because Epaphras went, and after he got saved in Ephesus by the preaching of Paul, went to the Lycus Valley, shared the gospel in Colossae and Laodicea and Heropolis, and he shared the gospel. Guess what? Churches sprung up everywhere. Simply because he said, listen, if I'm saved, I'm serving. And that's what we say all the time at our church. If I'm saved, I'm serving. Like, there is no alternative for the person who has been atoned for than to say, I'm going to start with me I'm going to serve because I'm saved. And all I'm saying is for you, if this is the first couple times you've been at our church, I'm saying there's no better time to get connected to community. There's no better time for you to say, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm going to start with myself. I want to be a part of that fully committed community. And I know if I want a fully committed community, i got to be a part and invested in a fully committed community. Uh, and I want people looking out for me. I want to look out for other people. And the only way that I'm doing that in the context of the church is by being involved and serving and, and building up God's church. And by saying, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Uh, allow me to, to help build God's church. And there's a lot of people in here that need to make your first step in that. And, and if you're not a Christian, you know, of course, and that's first and foremost, right? You need to be a Christian, right? And you need to be atoned for. Your sins need to be atoned for, for you to be right in the sight of a holy God and a participant in the people of God. But there's a lot of people in here who need to take their next step. And that is, you're saved, uh, but you've been on the peripheries, you've been on the outskirts, and you've been kind of on the edge, uh, one foot in and one foot out. And there's so many of you in here who need to say, I'm going to be audaciously committed to community, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't know, maybe you've been hurt in, in, past, in the past churches. Uh, that's not an indictment on God. That's an indictment on leadership, okay? And they're not there anymore. You're a people of God, and you need to be participating with the people of God, right? And whatever it is, right? Whether no one's ever preached a message to you where it even sounded like there was a role for you to play in God's church, 
here we are, and here's the role that we play in God's church. It's time to go do those things. It's time for us to be the kind of community uh, that makes a difference in the community outside. And we need to make sure that we're taking our next step. And, and I mean that for you. Like, if you're not committed, if you're not attending regularly, if you're not connected, if you're not serving, I, fix all those things today. And I'm not saying that you do one, two, three, and you're going to feel magically a part of what's going on here, but it is the place to start. I mean, it's the place you have to start to get to those places where you know you can lean on people. You know you can depend on people. Uh, you know if you call your pastor up, he's going to, if you call me up, I will. Uh, don't test me, but, uh, but I'll do it. Uh, if you need something, we're here. Uh, but to be a part of that kind of community, you need to be participating in that kind of community. So much more to say. But what we need to be able to say this morning as we wrap up is, I'm going to start with me. I'm going to say, here I am. Use me, send me, develop me into leadership, invest in me, disciple me. I'm just ready to start with me. Let's pray. God, uh, so much to glean from your word. Uh, And even as we look at seemingly uh, insignificant characters in Scripture, that we see really the influence they had, really the the benefit that they were to the church at large. And... uh, to understand that that gets to be all of us. All of us get to be that kind of benefit to the body of Christ in such a way, uh, God, that we're not just useful, but we're profitable, and, and that we're encouraged, and that we're encouraging. And I just pray, God, that we would uh, participate in, in such a way where we would feel that we are fully invested in your church, and that your church would be built up, God, that... Uh, that the people in this very room would be, would be full of joy and encouragement simply because uh, they started with themselves and they've taken the steps uh, of, that would uh, define being committed to community. And I, there's such a great joy in that, a great enthusiasm in that, to be a part of something that you, God, have instituted, that you promised that you would preserve for eternity. And I just pray, God, that we would, uh, God, that with so many distractions in our world, so many distractions in our own lives, that we would uh, be serious about the very thing that you were serious about, and that is seeing lost people saved and seeing saved people discipled. And God, with all those things, we know that they are such a benefit when we apply those things to our families, our marriages, our workplaces, as we look to your word and they give us instruction. God, it's good for all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God, as we commit to your, uh, God, to your plan, to your community, I pray that it would uh, really seep out into all the areas of our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.